Welcome to the 99 Celsius Podcast. I'm your host, Marco Quay. Thanks for tuning in. This week's episode features Atlanta-based consultant and entrepreneur, Sylviana Moore. Sylviana is dynamic in every sense of the word. Her savviness is exemplified through charisma, strategic planning, and a fiery passion. This drive has helped her company, Prodigy, land partnerships with notable organizations like Google, LinkedIn, WeWork, and Forbes, to name a few. She takes pride in living a life rooted in purpose. And by playing her part, she's sure to impact the bigger picture. So sit back and relax. We hope you enjoy her story on A Piece to the Puzzle. Revolutionary change is merely a collection of smaller acts. We live in a world that tends to diminish the impact that a culmination of smaller acts can achieve. When we boil down our experiences to their essence, we get closer to understanding the role that we can play in creating change. For Sylviana, this meant confronting a familial history of legal matters. Her father's incarceration inadvertently ignited her affinity for professional development. What began as a way of creating opportunity for her immediate community grew into something much bigger. Yet the objective remains the same, to impact whoever is in reach and hope that you have inspired them to do the same. Welcome to episode three. Ooh, this is going to be a real special one. For today's episode, I got one of my little OGs in the house, so this is going to be amazing. Miss Sylviana Moore, welcome Hello. to the 99 Celsius Podcast. Thank What's going so on? Thank you so much for having me. How are you? Man, all is well. It's a blessing to see you. Thank you. It's been good. It's 2020. It's time to get this money. Hey. I'm ready. This is the first endeavor. I'm excited. Thank you for inviting me again. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I got to tell the people, you're you're a real one. What you mean by that, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> Yo, Sylviana pulled oh up to the crib today to do the podcast, and she's like, yo, what, what is this about? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yo, I'm, you don't know what it's about. Like, you don't, you don't know what the title means, or you don't know the, the podcast concept. She's like, nah, I don't know anything. 
what what are we doing? Like, I just know we record it. <laughs> so, Mark, you know I'm a fan regardless. That's how you know it's love. I'm, I, I, you tell me I'm here to be here. Nah, that here. was real confirmation <laughs> for me because when you pulled up and you didn't know what we were getting into, you just knew we were recording. <laughs> but, Let's skip that part. Let's skip that part. <laughs> I was like, I was very impressed. I was like, wow, you you really holding it down. So anyway, okay. needless to say, we took the first 25 minutes when Sylv when Sylviana arrived and we doing episode zero. Yes. For her, I was like, yo, you gotta hear it. And so she heard it and I, I got some good reactions. I feel like I yes. was peeping. I felt like you you were vibing with it. So what'd you think about that? I thought it was amazing. Um you are to me an amazing creative. You've always been. Um you have multiple I think successful endeavors and I think that anything that you decide to create, I know that it's gonna come from a level of um, creativity, depth, purity, um, value, most importantly. And so I think that for all of you listening, continue to follow, subscribe, rate, review, and everything else that you possibly can, because anything that Mark does, you're definitely going to want to be involved in. Wow. I wasn't even fishing <laughs> for compliments. I really <laughs> I really just wanted your opinion, but thank you. You it got me good. tearing it's up good, now, man. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. It's an honor to have you here. Um, Ah, man, I want to give some context real quick. Anytime I start an episode, I like to just create a um, an environment where it's clear for our listeners how I know my guests and such. So uh, I'm going to use this opportunity to gas you. Okay. Uh, so I met Sylviana back in 2017 mm-hmm. at Hampton University in September. And this was my first recruiting trip that I had made. I had done, I had one info session at another school and then I traveled to Hampton for, I think, uh, for one day. It was a one-day trip, and then we went back later. But for that one-day trip, we had a social engagement we did during the daytime. And in the evening, we had an info session at night. Mind you, I went to you know a PWI. I had never been to HBCU. So this is my first year really engaging with the HBCU culture. And I'm connecting with students in a way where I'm like, wow, these students are very focused, very about their business and impressive. And I remember presenting information on our organization. And at the very end of the info session, I had a line of students that were ready to come talk. You know, everybody wanted to give their resume and, and you know, talk to the recruiter about opportunities and such. And I remember my, my conversation with Sylviana distinctly because she was so impressive and her approach, she came up to me, she shook my hand, knew my name, knew the university I went to, but did it in a way that, you know, she was able to embed it into conversation and then said, you know, um, I know you're the recruiter and you have a lot of people coming to talk to you today. So, you know, I, I don't want to spend too much of your time. I actually had the opportunity to talk to X, Y, and Z employees about their experience at the organization. So I'm already aware that it's a fit for me. I just wanted to take this opportunity to introduce myself, to put a face to the name, and let you know that I'll be at the rest of the events throughout the course of the semester. Hello. Wow. That sounds like Sylvie. <laughs> that sounds like Sylvie. You tell that story all the time, and I love it, because that was my goal to be rememberable and to know that three, four years later, I still am. It's good. It's Yo, great. that <laughs> there's like a few students that stick out to me from, I mean, I've been doing this three years now. Mm-hmm. And by far, like that's like top, top of the line, you know, experiences that I had in recruiting. So I always like to give that story because that Thank from you. that day, 
I knew that you were somebody that was about your business. And um, and so I find it fitting, and we'll get there later in the interview, but it, it's very fitting to see what you're doing now for creating platforms for people to um, to navigate their careers. I just think it's so funny to me and ironic <laughs> because my very first memory of you is one that really embodies the work that you've been doing. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. Congratulations on that Thank for sure. Thank you. Yeah. So how's your day going today? It's been long. You know, as a full-time entrepreneur as well as a full-time consultant and someone who is actively pursuing a relationship with God and trying to be the best woman I can be, um, you know, tiring is definitely the word, but I always say productive. Today has been a very productive day, and I'm happy that the weekend is close. <laughs> mm. Weekend, the weekends are definitely necessary to recharge. Yes. What'd you do today? What What'd you get into? So today, I actually am pivoting and starting a new social campaign for the International Women's Day campaign that's coming up. I think March 6th or 10th is the week of it. Okay. Um, and so we are putting together a large event for all of the Mayor and Accenture employees to come together and kind of speak on some of those topics. Um, I also have created a large analyst group at Marriott International as well. So I manage all the new analysts. I ensure that they come in um, comfortable, understanding what they're supposed to be doing, priorities are in order. I'm really just creating that good energy, you know, that cultivated um, an atmosphere. A lot of people in consulting, you know, feel as though because maybe their manager works remote or maybe they're not too sure on if they're going to like this project or even just this work, they come in a little, you know, half seas. And so I ensure that people are comfortable and ready to work. Dope. Yes. I'm, I'm glad to see you paying it forward. <laughs> What's the Hampton motto? It's like reach reach back while climbing forward or something. Uh, is like, it? I think it's just the standard of excellence. Not well, standard of excellence <laughs> for sure, but maybe it was a business school. I think the, the business I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, this they they're gonna hear this and correct me for sure. But it's like <laughs> I'm like, let me just yeah, be quiet. I think it was something like, you know, reach reach back while climbing or something like okay. that. Okay. Anyway, you embodying that whole that whole piece of, of helping to create that environment for people. So that's dope. Definitely. That cool. is truly where my passion is. So I definitely like to create all opportunities to do just that. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into it. Yes. I'm excited. Yeah. So I want to take our, our listeners on a journey. Okay. And I want to start in the beginning of time now. You're somebody that I've known to, to create and... Um, really invest in the people around you, both people that you know, as well as um, just anyone who's, who's looking to advance their career and such. But there was a beginning before their careers were even on the top of mind for you, right? There was a time where you were a child and you were just navigating life. And I was curious to know, you know, what, what things was young Sylviana into? And, yeah. you know, when you look back, what was the blueprint for you? Well, um, I will start by saying that this little bit of twang and this this proper speaking comes from a heavy and different and diverse background. I am originally born um, in Mobile, Alabama. All of my family, 90% are in Mobile, Alabama. So I represent the South Side heavily, but I was raised in California. So That was you know, the part I knew about. I didn't yeah. know about You said Alabama, and I'm looking at you like, what? Yeah, I mean, honestly, when you see my thuggish ways, you'd be like, okay, that makes sense. You know, that makes sense. But when you see me incorporate, you're like, okay. Yeah. So, you know, just a little bit of flavor. I tend to be extremely diverse, but I was raised in Sacramento, California. Um, and then I went to Hampton University, of course, and now I'm in D.C. Um, but from day one, 
you know, a little bit about my family. Everybody in my family is an entrepreneur. No one in my family I can say is lazy. Everybody's hungry. Everybody's grinding. They're passionate about something. Uh, My father had multiple businesses as well. Um, But even more so, uh, my mother, she played a huge role in just my life and who I am today. Um, Both of my parents, you know, they did not attend college. You know, they struggled a little bit in high school, middle school, you know, let's just say that um, they aren't the most educated. But when it comes to life and common sense and knowing how to operate people in industries and corporate and just the world, oh, they have that down pat. Mm. So I was able to um, acquire a lot of those skills just talking to my mother, talking to my father, talking to my grandfather. But it wasn't until I really got to, I think, middle school, um, that I started realizing that I didn't really know who I who I was and I didn't know what I wanted to fulfill and what my larger purpose was. You know, my mother had always had me involved um, in extracurricular activities. She hated me to hang out and go outside. I don't know what, I don't know if that was just her coming from Alabama and not trusting nobody mm. or what, um, but she always had me involved in something other outside of just my house. So I was always in Senate. I was always in student government. I was always working. She hated that I wanted to work, but I started working at 15. I just like, wow. that's just what I like to do. Serving, um, you know, doing City of Sacramento, as shout out to l and um, but it, it's always been good. That's always just been, I've always been a hungry individual. So once I realized that, you know, my true destiny and my true level of success amounted to the people who were around me, then I was, I was ready. It, it, it was game on. Mm. Um, you know, I've always been intrigued by asking elderly questions. You know, I'm an extremely inquisitive individual. And for me, I don't like making mistakes. Let's be honest. Who does? Um, but I'm the type of person where I will ask five, six people before I actually go into a situation. Cause I'm like, hold on, let me go as prepared as possible. So with that, as you guys may know, you know, life comes at you left and right. There is no true tale. There isn't, isn't one answer. So with that being said, I just chose to uh, lean on to people, get involved in many, as many organizations as possible, be exposed, uh, talk to people like yourself. Um, and with that, I feel like everybody has truly added uh, value, added knowledge to the person that I am today. So I would probably give a shout out to everybody if yeah. I could. <laughs> That's real. What sticks out to you when you when you think it through some of you? I think you mentioned you did some extracurriculars. Yeah. Um, if you had to pick maybe a couple of them that really... You look back now and you're like, wow, that was a, that really impacted me in some kind of way. You see some of that acting out now in your, in your life now. Back then you were just getting involved with something, but if you had to pick a couple of those, what would that be? Mm. So going back on that point, um, and I'm glad that you mentioned that, I will say before I answer that, that I was raised or I did attend primarily a lot of white and Asian schools growing up. Mm. Um, It wasn't until I got to high school that I attended Sacramento Charter High School, which was um, a school that was like a a college prep, Uh, but it had a majority of African-American students and it was in the urban side of um, of Sacramento. So with that, you know, I didn't really understand the idea of different people until I experienced different people. And that sounds crazy because I'm African-American, but it isn't until that you are... um, with people from different perspectives and different environments that you start realizing what truly the world um, is, um, I guess, encompassed. So with that, I think for me, my first grade experience was going to an HBCU tour. I didn't know anything. Did you say first grade? No, my first experience. Yeah. 
first greatest no, experience. No, no, no. Yeah, my first okay. greatest experience was going to an HBCU tour. That mm-hmm. was my sophomore year, I think, in high school. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I point out that experience is because I think that set me up for the, I mean, now, I mean, up until now, I would have to say, I didn't know anything about an HBCU. I didn't know why I wanted to go to college. I just knew that that was the next step to do. My mom always pushed going to school, but why, what was my purpose? What did I want to study? Didn't know any of that. So I went on this HBCU tour. I realized that people like me were doing amazing things. I mean, confident, successful, knowledgeable in these different industries. I mean, financial literate. It was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was something that I've never experienced before. As you know, California does not have any HBCUs. So it was just a different, it was just a different way of looking at things. Um, so that was my first great, great experience. And then two, I also was involved in uh Delta Gems, which was my first professional development platform um, and kind of activity that I was involved in. So that was the first time that I learned about financial literacy, etiquette, um, interview prep, resumes, cover letters. I didn't even understand what was even necessary to get a job until I got involved in a program like that. I also got involved in inroads. So all of these small programs were really what set me apart from most people. But at that time, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Mm. It wasn't until later that I realized that I was acquiring all these amazing skills, all this amazing knowledge. And it wasn't until long down the line that I ran into other individuals who were my same age, if not older or younger, that were like, okay, how do you know this? And I'm like, mm. well, I didn't, well, I don't know anything. You know, what What do I know? What do I know? Um, and so it wasn't until I got that knowledge, was able to be placed in a different environment where I was able to help that I realized that I even had anything to give away an asset or a skill or knowledge so when did you do those two activities delta gems and the other one was enroads yeah yeah so i think uh the hbcu tour sophomore of high school delta gems i want to say sophomore junior year still was in high school for sure and inroads i want to say i got involved in inroads probably like my freshman year in college okay so actually i want to jump back even more then yeah we could touch on those in a second But tell me a little bit about elementary school or middle school for you. Like, what were your hobbies? What were you into? Yeah. You know, what kind of things did you engage in? So elementary, middle school. Wow. So I always was a huge teacher's pet. I'm going to be honest. Mm. I was. I was. It was (laughs) always difficult for me to learn um, just because, again, I didn't have that help at home so much. So for me, you know, really building those relationships with my teachers was always a good thing for me. My mom always was like, okay, I need everybody's number, every teacher, every faculty. <laughs> like she was that parent. Um, so my passions were in school. You know, I did track, I did soccer, I did cheerleading. So of course I was involved in other things. Um, but I loved school from day one. I always was always raised to raise my hand, to sit in the front. Um, those are just always the things that my mother always told me. So I, I was never the one to, uh, disobey my mother. I have very true Southern values. So with that, I didn't even consider that she was setting me up for anything. It was more so like, okay, I'm doing what mama say. And at that time it wasn't until college that I realized, okay, I still need to be sitting in that front. I still needed to get to know these professors. Um, but ultimately I was really in the community of Sacramento. I was getting to know myself. I was involved in sports, um, I definitely wasn't, you know, I was still figuring myself out really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was that process like? Like, do you remember, was that a difficult time for you yeah, or? For sure. I will say that I think the majority of my difficulty came because I didn't have people who looked like me. Like I mentioned to you before, 
I, uh, high school was my first time being around African-American people my age, really. Um, I mean, working environments are one thing. Cheerleading is another. Um, but actually going to school, being in a classroom, sitting with them for five, eight hours a day, you know, whatever. It, it was just different. So, it, it, no, I think elementary and middle school were hard because although I was learning to be my best self, I wasn't able to um, connect those experiences or what that looked like to someone who was older than me that looked just like me or someone who was in a position that I may have wanted to be in or someone saying, hey, you might be interested in this, but was already doing that. That's mm-hmm. not something that I was even open to or even knew was out there until about high school, until I went to that HBCU tour. So that's when I probably was woken up for real. <laughs> so would you say that the the lack of role models or people that you felt that you could aspire to be that made it difficult to achieve a sense of purpose early on for you? For sure. For sure. I knew I wanted to be successful. I knew I wanted that money. Honey, I mean, (laughs) I knew I had what it take when it came to the energy and time and, and that drive, but the how, the where, the, you know, what are the steps? Okay, how did you do it? Okay, was there something that you would be doing differently? I couldn't ask those questions. You know, you know, even, okay, I want to make six figures. But I didn't even know what job made six figures back then. I'm just talking. So it was just all talk because I was told these things. Is this like little middle school, Sylviana? Yeah, like, I want to make yeah, six figures. Yeah. I've always been, you know, out there. You yeah. Know, out there, yeah. What did you want to be when you, when you were growing uh, up? I wanted to be a dancer first. My mom always tells me that. And then my mm. mom told me that that probably was not the most sustainable job. Yeah, she was harsh. <laughs> um, and so I then said I wanted to be a pediatrician. Okay. Yeah. And why why did you want to be a pediatrician? I wanted to help. That's always been something that I've I've loved. I've always loved helping people, supporting people, uh, making people aware of things. That's just always been keen to me. Everybody since day one has always called me Mama Sylvie. That's just that's oh, yeah. just me. That's just what I do best. Support, love on people. Um, but for sure, not having that mentorship or not having that person outside of my mother or father made it 10 times harder. And you have to imagine, too, 90% of my family, again, are in Alabama. So Sacramento, that literally is just my mom, my father, maybe one or two cousins. So I'm looking within myself to find something that I don't even know that I'm looking to find. That's a hard place to be in. You know, that's a hard place to be in. But what I will say about myself was any chance or any glimpse of that light that it's more out there, oh, I was running for it. Mm. I was running for it. But when you only know what you know, how can you know that you you you, you don't know anything or you, you are not aware of things? Or like what I like to say is everybody's functioning at their highest level of frequency. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. Wow. So. So real quick on this pediatrician thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Did you explore that at all? Um, I did not explore that. Uh, my mom did a little bit of medical. Uh, so that's probably why, where that came from. Um, but no, I did not explore that. I think in middle school, we had like small schools that we had to choose from and I did law and public service. That's the one that really stuck out to me. I I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. That was something that I really, really wanted to do. Um, I even went as far as doing like AP history, things like that in high school. But when I got to college, that, um... You know, that law program wasn't looking to, you know. Oh, so you started school for law. Well, I wanted to. I went to school for business, but when I originally was interested in Hampton, I asked about the law program Mm -hmm. and what that looked like or, um, you know, just political science in general. And it just wasn't, they didn't sell me as hard as a five-year MBA program sold me at that moment. So that's what I went with. Okay. 
I know, right? A lot. <laughs> yeah, nah, I'm, I'm like, I'm definitely, I'm like so fascinated by the, um, the layers of like, of, mm-hmm. of potential avenues that you are navigating at such a, a young age mm-hmm. and like trying to find your place in them. Between middle school of having this, you know, this pediatrician aspiration and then it sounds like late middle school and, and summer high school, mm-hmm. the law aspiration and such, um, I know you make the decision for business once you get into college, but as you're navigating that middle and high school space, mm-hmm. what was that process like? So, like I said, I've always wanted to create change. Um, I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what that really meant, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. My mother was she works at Kaiser, so she's heavily in the medical field, and I think that I just wanted to. I was she was my role model. I wanted to do what she was doing. Mm. You know, um, I knew n- nurses made a lot of money. I knew doctors made a lot of money. So okay, that makes it the mama doing it. It's doable. Or they make a lot of money. I'm doing it. Um, but law came because you know everyone in my family has been some way somehow oppressed by law enforcement. If that's not directly, um, it's indirectly, but it's something that I've seen within our African-American community and I wanted to help. I wanted to be that saving grace. Um, of course, at that time, I didn't know really what that meant and mm. what that would take out of me, um, but I was hungry. I was hungry to create change. I remember going to school and my AP teacher and I'm telling him like, you know, my, my dad, you know, he's in jail and I'm feeling this way and he's telling me this and he's not eating and I'm bothered and how can we fix this and what's going on and what does the... Um, what does the what does it look like when he gets out and what does what is it what does that all mean and he had to tell me you know let's sit let's sit down let's look at history mm. let's look let's look at what this really what has been and what does history tell us and once i really um did my research oh i was hungry i was mad i was angry i was passionate i was fueled it was i i I was i wanted to help everyone you know anybody i mean from emmett till to just history in itself encouraged me to say okay i'm here and i'm woke and i'm i'm feeling hungry and i want to actually do this okay where do i start and it was just that simple where did you choose to start at that moment uh i chose to start ap history i definitely passed that test uh (laughs) but you know uh, looking looking further i started with my peers i think that's when i got involved in student government um that's when i started taking on a few mentees of myself for myself once i realized that i had something to give um, you know, I started doing resumes in high school. That was my first little side hustle, mm. doing resumes and cover letters and prepping people for interviews. Um, and I've never, and I don't think I've ever told you this, um, uh, because at that time I think I was afraid of this in your interview, but I've never, um, not gotten a job that I've interviewed, interviewed for. So that's always been a natural skill for me. Wow. Um, so yeah, I just started with what was inside me. Anything, once I had mentors who took the time to identify my strengths, I was okay. And once I took the time to look up into myself for my weaknesses and said, okay, I want to build these up. Okay, I, I don't want to ignore these. I want to work on these. Then I, then I was ready. I was ready. So real quick, helping was definitely the foundation. For sure. Behind your aspiration to get mentees and work with them. For sure. How did you identify that your greatest area of value or contribution would be in that professional realm? How did you discover that? Yeah, so I'm I'm going to say that that was the only way to look at it for me. You know, you're helping people. What what's the what are the top ways to help African American professionals today? 
unless I'm giving them money directly in their pockets, which I don't have, then I'm giving them knowledge or I'm giving them exposure. Um, and, and that those were the only options. So professionally, most people, they're going to choose to be in corporate or they're going to choose to be an entrepreneur or maybe not doing anything at all because they don't know anything at that moment. Um, so for me, it was the only thing that made sense. What are, what are professionals doing out here that may be of interest to people who aren't even aware that those industries exist? Right. But even at the, cause you said you were doing this in the high, at the high yeah. school level, right? Yeah. So cause it's even, it's, it's at a point where people aren't even, you know, they have, they're still in high school. They haven't gotten to college yet. They haven't, right. um, they haven't navigated the professional life yet. Right. But the foresight to see. Oh, you know, this is the area that I want to help high schoolers at, right? Like that's, that's, um, a level of foresight that I, I don't, you don't see that often. So I was just curious to know, like how you were able to identify that need for students, um, in that, in that time period. So I will say, um, I've always been the kid that was grouped grouped with the bad kids. So I've always been a good kid that was grouped with the bad kids. Why, why was that? Um, you know, I don't know. My mom didn't like that either. <laughs> and for me, I was highly intimidated of quote unquote bad kids. Like, why are you acting like that? She's like, I like school. You know, I'm here to learn, you know, for what? But, you know, again, those professors, those teachers, having a relationship with my college counselor, and, and we did have a college counselor, David Marks, amazing amazing mm. but those people identified Savannah you're different Savannah you're hungry you're aware um and that's not common at your age it's just not common now me I didn't think I was doing anything I, again I'm hungry I'm on tunnel vision I'm ready you know was you you let me know the challenge and I'm letting you know how I'm gonna fix it or how I'm gonna get past it so for me once people were able to identify hey you're on a higher vibration help if you're open to helping let's help Mm -hmm. then that's all that I needed I think my college counselor was helping with you know um, essays for college applications and he would come to me like you know do you mind helping that student Mm -hmm. okay so that's where it started right right I was forced (laughs) Ah, okay for sure yeah so so but still had that desire to want to help definitely um so almost getting the nudge right would you say that was there, was there, were you always confident? Like when you were asked to help, was there, was the confidence there or did that nut, was the, the nudge that provided the bit of confidence that you needed to really jump in and help people with that? Yeah. So I think I was confident in my ability, but I wasn't confident that I would be received the way that I wanted to. Mm. And so that nudge of having that middleman say, Hey, you need help. She can help you. That was all that I needed to open up that door. Um, but even once that door was opened, I realized one to two things. One, people have to want help. People really have to want help. They have to want help. And then also two, you know, I have to be willing to give more help than just what the task is at hand. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times when I would come into the lives of these individuals, it went from, okay, I need help with this resume to, Okay, the reason why I need help to this resume because I'm trying to get this job to can you help me apply? Can you help me follow up? Okay, why I haven't heard back? You know, to family issues or what may have you to, okay, I don't know anybody who's even doing that or I don't even know who I can reach out to with those resources. That's when I started realizing it's not that people aren't hungry. For those who are hungry, it's not that they're not hungry. They have a lack of resources, a lack of guidance, a lack of exposure. But if we all have, have those things, then I mean... The stars is the limit. Yeah. 
like really so I think for me it it just it all made sense it all made sense this is what I want this is how you get here and I could bring people with me let's do it right so light bulbs are going off it sounds like in, this, sure. in this moment for sure but it, it's not a business plan no. quite yet it's just you just you're helping people navigate professionally right right Okay, so is this the first time you're like, ooh, I like this professional thing? Yeah, so this is the first time that I'm like, okay, you know, I get kicked out of this. You know, people are coming back with great stories. I'm getting people jobs. You know, I'm building relationship with teachers because they feel confident that I am able to assist. Um, for me, it was a win-win. It was no energy that was taken from me. I was doing what I loved. Uh, I don't think at that moment I realized that I loved it, but it wasn't a bother. It wasn't like, oh my God, really? I have to help this person? Not at all. Um, and then also too, I've always been the person that my peers came to anyways, when it came to friends. So it was almost natural. Like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Like I could do this, you know? So it, it's always come natural. Then too, um, I have a, I call her a big sister, but she's really my um, big cousin and her name is Victoria. And she's always been the person that I could come to outside of my parents. So that was like almost my first mentor, my first, my first, okay, this is the person that can answer my questions and be genuine, be pure, um, that can, you know, tell me step by step. And she was in corporate. She worked um, corp for corporate America as well. And with that, um, she was just the first person to tell me like, you could run this whole store if you wanted to. The whole store, if you wanted to, but how do you get people to listen? How do you get people to delegate? Mm -hmm. And so I had to realize that even with wanting to help, I had to learn a little bit of people skills, um, because again, people if they're not if they're not comfortable asking for help, they just won't. Right, that's real. So what happens next? So this is the end of high school, right? Yeah. So the end of high school, you know, I'm talking to my college counselor and he's like, go to these California schools. They're paying for you to go to these schools. You know, what are you doing? You get in-state tuition. I'm like, listen, I already went to this HBCU tour. I'm going to Hampton, period. Oh, so There's, Hampton, you knew Hampton just from the tour. I knew Hampton from, I mean, Howard was, for all you Howard folks, oh, I love y'all. Don't please. bring that HU. Right, right. Man. But Howard was scary. <laughs> Howard was scary. Like I did not, I felt immediate connection to Hampton as soon as I arrived on campus. I mean, you know, of course, the food was better that week than any other week prior, because <laughs> that's what schools do. But uh -huh. for the most part, I felt like I could thrive at this place. And when I get got back to California, I think there was maybe two people from my actual school that went there. So it wasn't too many people that were like, okay, go, you know, not at all. But I knew, I knew like I can be successful here. I, I like the vibe here. The, these people look like me. They're inspiring. Like I need to be here. Like to get to the next level, I have to be here. And he hated it. My college counselor, I mean, till this day, he like, you sure? Even with the loans, you sure? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, for me, that was the next step, identifying what I needed and going for it. You know, I didn't realize until maybe three months prior to attending Hampton in the fall that I was actually going to Virginia. I think I was so stuck on Hampton, Hampton, Hampton that I forgot that Hampton was in Hampton, Virginia. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until, you know, I'm packing up and I'm like, oh, you know, I have to leave my mother. Oh, I have to leave my little, my big cousin. Oh, I have to leave comfortability. Okay. Like I have to be uncomfortable to get to the next level. And so when I got to Hampton, I was ready to come home. I'm not going to lie. I applied to maybe four or five schools. And oh, yeah? I, yeah, I was ready to transfer. You were trying transfer. to leave. How, how early was this? In um, Fall. This was the fall. Fall, first semester. I received acceptance letters to transfer in the spring, and my mama told me to sit down. Oh. Yeah, she was like, if you're not finishing the full year, like, what are we talking about? I'm, you're for sure not wasting my money. I'm not coming back to Hampton in the middle of the year. You're crazy. So that is actually the reason why I stayed, and I'm so happy that I did. Um, but yeah, I was ready to get up out of there. 
I was homesick. I was homesick. I was homesick. And you know, East Coast folks, y'all different. You know, I now I'm cool. I'm I can, you know, I I can um code switch. But back in the like then, it was just like, oh my God, like who are these people? They don't know me. It's not a lot of California people here. You know, everybody's different. You know, there's a level of independence that I've never had before. My mama, you know, she gone. Like, I'm not, you know, excuse my language, but I wasn't aware of my ability to, as I say, eat, use the urinate and everything else all by myself. It wasn't until I got there that I was like, okay, okay, this is, this is me. This is, this is me. Um, and I was okay. You know, once I got acclimated, once I started getting involved, once I started meeting people, once I started putting myself out there, of course it got easier. But at that moment, oh gosh, I was so intimidated. I was so scared. I definitely wanted to go home. So by the end of the year, you're, you're ready to stay. Right. By the end of the year, I was ready to stay. Um, I don't think I was involved in anything freshman year. I think I had just sights for what I wanted to be involved in sophomore year. And then I also kind of met my group of people. Um, one of my homegirls, Courtney, she used to be across the hall from me. She was from Dallas and she was just as homesick as I was. So we were like, okay, girl, you going home? I'm going home. Like we going home together. Right. Um, and so once I met my, my people, my crew, you know, great people. And I realized that it wasn't scary. This was just new. It, it was okay. Everything was okay. So in that first year, is there anything that anything that is um, related to the resume stuff then and the cover letters and interview prep that you were doing in high school? Or is yeah. that kind of on hold as you're navigating this new space? So it definitely was on hold. Um, as I mentioned to you prior, I don't like to go into situations not prepared. So I definitely was not about to put up all my strengths and assets just walking in the dough for show nuts. So um, no, nobody knew me knew little Sylviana from Sacramento not at all I had no brand behind me I had no nothing I was putting out there um if anything I was observing and that's how I will say that was my number one tip for anyone going into any new environment observe because that once you observe you know how to move and, and that's exactly what I did I knew who to be around who not to be around who seemed like they were on their stuff who wasn't who was involved in this and maybe not in that you know for for those people who were involved in those activities what did that look like um you know which faculty should I be close with? Which teachers do I really want? You know, I was able to kind of get the game. I was able to get the game um, of Hampton University from the beginning, but it took a level of observing first before I actually, you know, got my got my feet wet, went out there. And I would say that I don't, I don't, I wouldn't take that back for yeah. anything. I, I like that I did that. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, learning the game is so important. Right? For sure. Like being able to, um, to assess the situation and yeah, I mean, I'm with you. 100%. Yes, definitely. So once I did that, um, sophomore year, sophomore year, that is when it got juicy. That's when it got juicy. So all of my knowledge from that first year I put into play sophomore year. Um, I was elected as sophomore vice president. I was involved in the student leadership program. Um, Wait, hold, I on, was, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. You got to draw this connection for me. Because, okay, okay, okay. Because your first year, you're ready to leave campus. Right. Right? Right. So how how do you even get the courage to run yeah. for vice president? So, ooh, let me think back. How did I even make that connection? I think for me... Once I came, once I was able to go home for the summer and kind of like realize that nothing ain't changed, you know, that everybody who was in high school still ain't doing nothing ain't, or not doing anything. And for those who are, were wanting to do something, have now gotten to that level or are still working on it. 
it made sense to me. This is where you're supposed to be. This is where you're supposed to be. It's not horrible. It's new. You know, what the question became, do I really want to leave or do I want to do the work? Hmm. And I said, I wanted to do the work, you know, within that observation period with getting to know those individuals. And even when you start at Hampton, they have this big system where you get a big sister, big brother, whatever. And my big sister and big brother were amazing. They were actually already involved highly at Hampton. So that kind of made that transition a lot easier. But it really was me checking in saying, okay, you leave Hampton and then what happens? Is your level of comfortability at that moment just that important to miss your opportunity of growth? Not at all. Um, and I think I was able to kind of make that conclusion on my own, thank God. Um, and so I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do the work. So when I went back that fall, I said, okay, let me let me connect with my big. Let me And also, that's another thing, too. Before I even got to Hampton, I did a, a lot of research on the programs, the activities. I didn't know if I wanted to do band. I didn't know if I wanted to do, Are like, you a musician? I mean, I ain't no so. Okay, I can learn. I think <laughs> I, mean, I did the recorder for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to do Ebony Fire. Like, I, I mean, I was, I even looked into the ROTC program. Don't oh, play. Wow. I was trying to get that free college, yeah. okay? So once I realized what worked for me and what didn't, it was a matter of just applying. So my first thing was to apply. Um, I wanted to be sophomore vice president. I think at that time, uh, one of my big bros was actually the president our freshman year. So uh-huh. he kind of was like, like, come on, somebody like you'd be perfect. Um, and not, I will say, I will put that out there in advance. Not all the opportunities that I felt were for me did I take. Not at all. But sophomore year, this is what my focus was, getting acclimated. And so this is why I did that. So I was in, I was a sophomore vice president. I was involved in student leadership program. I was highly involved in um, the leadership program for William R. Harvey. Um, I did volunteer often on campus. So I was able to get acclimated to Hampton, Virginia. Um, what else? I, I, I think I didn't have a car, but I had bigs who had vehicles. So I started realizing, like, okay, you're fine. Like you are okay. And if anyone is familiar with Hampton, Virginia or Hampton University, you realize that the campus and the city is very small. So once you find your connections, you really are okay. Um, I started getting involved in, um, like, you know, student leadership programs and even doing, like, getting paid to work on campus. I started doing things like that. I worked at the local subway, the Chick-fil-A that was on campus. Oh, I was getting my money, okay? So with all of that, I'm meeting people. I'm, I'm finding new experiences. You know, I, I now know how to um, navigate this world, this new world. So it, it, it became easier, and yeah. I was okay. I, I, I stayed. I'm glad I stayed. Yeah, I mean, no, that's like a like flip of the switch. You know, you flip the switch because you're first, it, it, and not flip the switch in a sense where it wasn't who you normally are, mm-hmm. because it sounds like that's who you were in high school, yep. high school and middle school, mm-hmm. and you were always someone that was about your business and navigating and doing a lot, mm-hmm. right? But you had that one glimpse, um, your first semester, first year of school, where you weren't typically yourself right and the new environment changed you and um and then you come back sophomore year and you're back to who you who you are right my question to you is did that period of time where you were in this unfamiliar space and really homesick and sad and not happy did that have any impact on how you view coaching and mentoring people at all hmm okay 
Not necessarily. I guess I am a little more empathetic when it comes to people being uncomfortable or fearful because I understand that that is a real thing. You know, I've experienced that. But I also am just as aware that if you want it, you want it. And you're going to do anything in your power to get it. Um, And it's just that simple. And I have kept that motto, I think, throughout my tenure at Hampton. And that is why I think I was able to, you know, leave the way that I wanted to with a job and with people and with the network. Um, So, yes, a little bit in a sense of, okay, we all go through through things and we are, are at a disadvantage, but not where I'm making excuses that if you want it, you can go get it. Doesn't matter what what it is. I mean, if you want to be an astronaut, let's make it happen. Let's start taking them classes. So, what's your what's your advice to someone who's stuck in that phase of being unsure or uncertain yeah. at that time, at least? Like when you reflect on maybe just your journey. Yeah. Uh, you were unsure and you were uncertain. How did you get yourself up and out of that position? Yeah. So, I think for me, it was really identifying what was scaring me. What are you so unsure about? Are you even sure about what you're unsure about? And if you're not unsure about what you're unsure about, then you, we, let's just say we're not unsure, period. So I think sometimes as people, we kind of um, put things on ourselves. You know, like at that moment, I could have said, okay, I'm a loner. I'm the new person. I'm from California. You know, I, I, don't, I don't like what? But no, I didn't want to live there. I didn't want to live in that moment. Unsure is some is a place where we all are. I mean, I'm unsure right now at this moment on some things. So I think, again, taking the attention off of what you're so unsure about or even the process of being unsure and taking that same level of energy and putting into writing down and creating and implementing steps so that you can be sure is what we should be doing. I think sometimes we focus a little bit too much on the negative, not saying that you shouldn't because things, life happens, man. I'm the one to tell you, life happens. But regardless, how do you think Jay-Z became Jay-Z? How do you think Beyonce became Beyonce? How do you think Oprah became Oprah? How do you think Michelle Obama became Michelle Obama? And I say that to myself every day. Some struggles you're going to have to go through, that is the hand that you were dealt. But that is not where you stop. That is not the end. That's not your purpose. So I think really saying, okay, how bad do I want this? How bad do I want to reach the next level? What do I need to obtain? What do I need to learn? Who do I need to connect with? Those are the questions to be asking. But unsure is not a place. It's not a destination. You know, that that's a moment for me. Um you know, because even I mean, there's there's Google, there's a World Wide Web, there's friends, there's family, there's there's a little bit. And for me, I don't have to know the whole picture to move. As long as you give me ten percent, as long as I have a ten percent, then I'm like, okay, I'm sure now. We cool now. We might not be sure on the full a hundred percent bigger picture, but as long as I know what my step one is, I can work with that. Yeah. So just start start with your step one. That's yeah, all. That's real. It kind of reminds me uh, this year. I've really been exuding this new philosophy. Um, and I'm somebody I feel I'm like very emotionally aware, an emotional person in general. And my new thing I've been dubbing in my mind this year is like, it's just emotion. Like that, like that. <clears throat> what I would tell people, and this is somebody who's like, like I, I'm emotional, Me too. right? Like <laughs> I mean, I'm really emotional, but what I've come to realize is that the emotions are what make us human. And those are going to be there regardless. But what I'm starting to, to now understand more and more is that even when the emotions are there, you can choose to to die by them 
or you can choose to surpass them exactly. and be able to achieve whatever it is that you want to do. Exactly. Yeah. So like, it's been like super helpful for me because like now I'm like, I mean, everything from like, I'm like really on this fitness journey right now. And so it's like, oh, I want to eat that. That's just an emotion. Like that's nothing more than just you're craving it mm-hmm. emotionally. You like, oh, I kind of want that, you know? I love that you say that, you know, um, going back to my big cousin, and she going to love it. Her name was mentioned so many times in this podcast. But <laughs> going back to my big cousin, Victoria, she tells me all the time because she just turned vegetarian. Nice. And she also just became a serial entrepreneur. She left corporate. She wants to do her own thing. Um, and she's extremely happy. And what she's been saying to me is, you've had that steak before. You've had that job before. You've been in this position before. But what you haven't had is X, Y, and Z. What you mm-hmm. haven't experienced is X, Y, and Z. So let's get there. Yeah. And I love that because every time I look at that steak, I'm like, oh, I want you so bad. But she right. I know what a steak tastes like. I know what it what, what it costs. You know, there's nothing that I have not experienced within that realm. But I have not experienced this, this, and this. I just learned how to make Brussels sprouts. Don't don't judge me, y'all. Amen. But for real. It's a process. Like, it's a process. <laughs> So it's like, okay, once we get out of the comfortability, because sometimes people are comfortable being unsure. Seriously, it's mm. it, it sounds crazy, but yeah. it's real. Once we get out of being comfortably or comfortable being comfortable and being more comfortable being uncomfortable, come on now. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do yeah, it. Now, you know, it and I'm going to get back to the questions right after yeah. this, but um, it reminds me also, uh, you just reminded me of... Um, uh, it's Warren Buffett mm. apparently had like, you know, some keys to success or something. It was something to the effect that like make a list of like the top 20 things that you want to do or that you're interested in. Now stop at the first five and that's it. And focus on that. Cause you'll it. never do everything else. And yep. I'm like, Oh no, seriously. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it reminds me of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, what you got to plan for it. And then you guys, you just got to really f- figure out what am I going to focus on? Right. Like, yeah, I want to get this, this and that done. And I want to do all these things. And I haven't had a taste of that. And I want that. Okay, cool. So right. if these are the things I want, I'm going to make that list and mm-hmm. like really dive into trying to achieve that. Yeah. yeah. I think people need to be more comfortable with doing and failing or doing and attempting and moving forward, like pivoting. Then say, okay, I have to focus on this one thing. This one thing has to work. And regardless, it has to work. No, why not just try? It didn't work. It didn't make any money. Okay. I learned and let's keep it moving. Yeah. You know, or even sometimes, sometimes your passions aren't profitable. That's okay too. You know, like I think we just have to be comfortable with the facts. Like let's, let's, let's look at the facts y'all. Just that simple. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, so we're at what, a sophomore year now and you're thriving yep. basically. Um, at what point does it click to you that, hey, I, you know, I really, I want to go back to that whole learning piece that, um, that I was doing before with resumes and yep. 30 second speeches and all of that. For sure. So I think uh, sophomore year, going back to that year, that was the first time that I had an internship. Uh, I had an internship with Google, and it was amazing. It was great, but I was extremely uncomfortable. I mean, I went in, and I believe there was maybe one person, one other person from Hampton, and maybe two other people from Howard, and there was no other HBCUs, and everyone else was from Princeton, Brown, and every other Ivy League that you probably can think of. And for me at that moment, I felt like, okay, why am I here? Why am, why was I chosen? Why am I here? Am I deserving? You know, am I qualified? You know, like I'm confused. And what I started realizing again, observing 
that these people had no level of soft skills, no personable skills. They didn't know how to pitch. They weren't who? comfortable speaking. Everybody? These people who were going to these Ivy Leagues, the Brown, oh, okay. Princeton. Okay. No, no, no. People who were going to the HBCUs were pretty aware. Okay. But for those people, though, I, I was immediately intimidated based on these titles. I started realizing that, okay, they're not all of that. that, that yeah, that you, it wasn't that know. special. Um, so with that... I, I said to myself, one, I want to vow to bring more of the people from my background in here because clearly we belong. And then two, how can I save someone like myself from being intimidated in an environment they're supposed to be in? So when I had that experience, I went back and I started talking to folks. I started realizing that there was also people who were first generation college students. I started realizing that there was other people who had similar backgrounds to me who needed help and wanted help but didn't know where to ask or where to be. So from then I went to the college or I went to the career center at Hampton University and I started realizing that not all of their resources were I guess made sense to someone like myself. You know, I know how to put a resume together, but you putting inroads on my resume didn't make it any any more efficient. You know, so I started realizing that n- not particularly did I want to go down that road. I kind of wanted to create a road for myself. And I started realizing that people who were open to doing just that wanted to work with me. So once I got known for, okay, she could put a resume together quick. She could put a profile together quick. She knows all about LinkedIn. It, at that point, it became word of mouth. As you know, HBCUs are kind of like black marketplaces. Mm-hmm. So there's somebody somewhere to do everything. And I just became that person uh-huh. once I did a few. And so was that, um, to you at this point, what is it? Is it a passion? Is it a hobby? Is it? It's still a passion. I think mm-hmm. I was fueled by the opportunity to do something different um at that moment I for some reason you know I was getting people who were afraid to apply to different programs afraid afraid to apply to different jobs interviews activities um and one it was because they felt like they weren't deserving but then also two they weren't they felt like they weren't prepared And so then my question is, okay, why don't you feel prepared? Because you are deserving. So why don't you feel prepared? And it was simple things like cover letter, resumes, interview prep. Don't know where I don't have something to wear, you know, just simple stuff. So from then it just became proving to people that they were deserving and um, equipped to do more. And I don't think that enough people shine light on the people who look like us to say just that, like you, you are capable of doing more. You are capable of, of doing everything that you want to do, but what is stopping you from getting there? Mm-hmm. Let me help you. And it's just that simple. So it was still a passion. It was, I was not thinking of business. I wasn't thinking anything profitable. I don't even think I was even charging anything at that moment. Like maybe five, $10 or maybe a Chick-fil-A sandwich, you know, just, it was in my free time. <laughs> Give me some lunch. Right. Um, and it wasn't until the career center reached out to me and were like, okay, what are you doing? You know, either come work for us or, you know, uh, yeah. Oh, they contacted you. Yeah. The career center contacted me. Um, I think at that time people probably were telling them like, you know, cause even for a century I had to get my resume proofread by the career center to apply. And so I think it probably was word of mouth. Like, Hey, like we got this, we got this approved. Like it's been reviewed. What are you talking about? And so they uh, reached out to me saying that they loved my work, um, but they wanted to do something um, together, more of a collaboration effort. Look at that. Right. (laughs) So did it feel official to you then? Or is it still just like, Oh, you know, I still just, yeah, at that time it was more so like, you know, 
again, I didn't think this was a talent of mine or anything. So it was more so like, you know, do I really want to put my time and effort into a third party? I've been doing fine on my own. Like what is at that point? I think I then asked myself, what am I trying to accomplish here? Do So, so that's really interesting to me yeah. because you have all the success in high school right. where people are telling you, you are an expert in this and you're, I mean, thank you for all your help. You helped me get X, Y, and Z job. And then you get to your, you know, you get to college and you're doing the same thing. Right. And then you get called by the career center. Right. And they're like, you're, you do this. You do it really well. We want to work with you. And you say that you don't identify yourself as an expert or really good in this space. Why? Why was that? What, what was it about? I'm just so curious. That's fascinating to me. I had no credentials. Um, I didn't go to school for it. I wasn't being charged or I wasn't charging. Um, and I probably just didn't feel like I was good enough, good enough to put my name out there to help you get a job. That's scary. That's scary. Like being official to the point where I'm saying, one, I'm going to charge you for this service. That's, that's, that's serious. And then two, I'm promising you results. I don't know if I was comfortable putting myself out there like that. Um, and I think that even now when I reach out and talk to professionals who are doing amazing things, they say the same thing. Well, I'm not an expert. I'm still learning. And I'm like, okay, hold on. Like we got people who 10 steps behind you, yeah. you know, like, come on now. Um, but I think we all kind of feel that way. And I'm glad that you, you brought that up because that's something that I've been trying to get myself out of. Yeah. You, you have to believe it before anybody else does. Absolutely. It, you know, we, we have this conversation all the time and, um, one of the things actually with some of the ventures that I've had, they constantly were created to speak to that same element of, you know, I always bring up an, an interesting analogy. I ask people about their skill set in anything. Let's just choose rap, for example. And I could meet someone that raps and I could ask them, oh, you rap, you're a rapper. Oh, no, no, I mean, you know, I'm, no, I'm not really a rapper. Like, I'm not good. And I'm like, well, what's, do you have to be good to be a rapper? Right. And usually they're like, well, I mean, no, but I mean, I don't, I don't have this many songs or I don't have an album that's this. And, but when you look at it, right, you could say, I don't have a mixtape. And then you could say, oh, well, I don't have an album. And then you could say, oh, well, my album didn't go silver and it didn't go gold and it didn't go platinum and it didn't go diamond and I didn't win a Grammy, right? And it's like, there's all of these qualifiers that can continue mm -hmm. to get in the way of being able to provide you with the title or whatever accolade that you want, but that doesn't make you any less of a rapper. Right. Now, does it make you maybe more distinguished? Does it maybe make you a better or worse rapper? Fine, sure. Agreed. But the act of rapping... Right. You could be you're no more or less of a rapper if you have an album versus if you've written one verse. It, no, that's real. It literally doesn't make that's you real. any more or less of that. And what I've found is that in speaking to people, just like what you've mentioned, I mean, I've, I've spoken to several people on this podcast already and so many of them that are distinguished in multiple fields, different, different fields that I'm speaking to people from. And many of them are like. Wow, you know, I'm not, I'm not there yet, or I'm not where I think I should be, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just so interesting to me 
um, because it was so clear that you had some expertise there. But there was even, it sounds like maybe there was some self-doubt. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, um, I think that they're still there. I think that for most people, they probably feel as though, you know, once they admit it to themselves, there's a level of confidence that they have to exude. And they also have to be aware that once they are exuding themselves confidently, that they could potentially be challenged. And I think that's where people are like, whoa, whoa, you know, I think I'm an expert, but somebody may come along and be like, no, <laughs> I'm really the expert. And I don't think anybody mm-hmm. wants to experience that or fail. Um, but you're absolutely right. Every all of these people who are successful individuals in whatever respective field had to start at a beginner level, but regardless, they were in their field. Um, and I, I think you're absolutely right. I think in this generation in particular, I think until we reach monumental status, at that point, we're saying, okay, yeah, I am that individual. I am that professional. But at that point, we want to be 10, 10 other things because we didn't made it, you know? So I definitely think that we don't spend enough time really identifying with the position and role that we're in at that moment. Yeah. So how was your time in that role with the career center? What was it like? Did you, what did you learn and did you enjoy it? Yeah. So I actually did not accept the role with the career center. Oh, okay. I did not accept the role with the career center. Why? Um, I decided to, I think I started thinking about prodigy then. I don't think at that moment did I know it was prodigy, but I did not want to help with resumes. I more so wanted to help with, information in a sense you know resumes I think is the first step you can find a resume template anywhere but I was still getting questions on well I'm applying to this consultant role or I'm applying to this accounting role but can I do the work what does that even look like I don't know any accountants I think I want to be an accountant and then I started realizing well hmm if people knew what these roles or industries or professionals look like Maybe they'll be more confident to apply to put themselves out there to do the work to actually succeed in in those respected fields. Um, And I think that is what I felt most passionate about that moment. I don't think resume or cover letter or even interview prep at that time was the issue. I think people had a lack of guidance and exposure. And that is what I wanted to focus on. Very interesting. So... I want to have you quickly give a snapshot of what Prodigy is, just for anyone who may be confused. So Prodigy is a professional development company that works by identifying you with potential mentors within your industry, specialization, or skill set. We try to do this by location, but ultimately, we are looking to help you get to where you need to be, and we find people who are looking to give back to help you succeed. Wow. <laughs> How many times have you said that? Right, right. I'm like, hold on. Give me a second for my two minute pitch. Which one I want to use today? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, you ain't stuttered. Nothing. Right, right. You see them breaths? <laughs> that was not edited, y'all. No, for real. That was official on the beat. Okay. <laughs> no, I love I love the work that um that you all are doing. I actually um went to an event mm-hmm. that you uh that you put together. I think we'll probably get there eventually anyway. So before I jump the gun, but um, just amazing work. Thank you. Yeah, I was very impressed by what I saw. Thank you. So you start thinking about Prodigy. This is sophomore year now. Yeah, this is sophomore year now. So Mm -hmm. by sophomore year, I wanted to do something. um, But to tell myself that I wanted to be an entrepreneur almost seemed too real. Like, it was just like, what? Like, you know, an entrepreneur, what does that even mean? I mean, I again, I have people in my family who are doing entre- entrepreneurship efforts, but this seemed more so like a nonprofit, more like volunteer work, more like, like you said, a passion. So I'm like, okay, 
let's just do this in a in a voluntarily effort then let's see how we can connect no actually let me take a step back what it was after I ended my internship with Google and I knew that I had to pursue other opportunities in my career I started looking at outer people I got on LinkedIn heavily Um, people who I knew or did not know I found on LinkedIn if you do not have a LinkedIn get a LinkedIn and I am not a sponsor or ambassador for LinkedIn but this is truly how I feel Um, you know I was able to say it literally lists all of the programs that they were in and I would go apply to them and I tell people this all the time there's what do you mean there's not opportunities you're not looking for them you're not looking for them so literally if if there was someone named Susie Moore I would go on Susie Moore's profile oh she was doing that program oh she's in my major Oh, really? I wonder when that program starts again this year and I would apply. So I started realizing the benefit of that knowledge transfer early. And with that, I started realizing, too, that with me being a sophomore, there were juniors and seniors who were ahead of me who were willing to help. But who was helping those juniors and seniors at that level and then ongoing, that adulting, whatever. So going back to sophomore year, I'm like, okay, I want to do something entrepreneurially involved, but what I'm passionate about doesn't seem like it's that serious. So let me just start with what I think I should start with. So I took a step back doing resumes. I think maybe a few other people on the side probably did a little bit of their own little side hustle, which was okay. Um, But I started focusing on takeovers. So I originally worked with people at Hampton University who I felt were, you know, displaying a level of success or a level of independence or knowledge in a specific field. And I reached out to them and it was very simple. You know, hi, my name is Sylviana. You know, at that point, I didn't have a platform, but it was just kind of like, hey, I would like to talk to you. I would like to sit down with you. And I would people would say yes. People from Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Microsoft, BT, NFL would say yes. And for me, that was crazy. It, it, it unlocked a, a, a different door like, yeah. oh, you ain't that far. Oh, you're not that you're not that unreachable. Right. Um, and then I started realizing the people who I did want to meet who maybe email wasn't on LinkedIn was somewhere on Google. So at that point, for me, everything became accessible. And like I told you, once I got the keys, mm-hmm. <sighs> once I get the keys, <laughs> then, you know, a level of excitement um, just automatically fuels. And at that point, it's like, OK, well, what do you want to do with this? Um So what I did was I created a list of people that I wanted to reach out to. I started an Instagram profile and I scheduled them out. I asked them if they would do a day in the life. And that's what I called it, literally a day in the life of you showing what type of professional you are. If you drink coffee in the morning, sip on some coffee. If you are a runner and you go to the gym, go to the gym. If you meditate, meditate. If there's something you don't like about your job, speak on it. If there's a process that you had to do that nobody even talks about, let's talk about it. If there are questions that you had before you applied, let's talk about those too. But I also would allow for the audience to ask questions. I've realized early that people weren't comfortable asking questions. Mm. Weirdly enough, you have these professionals on here with all this knowledge, all this information to give, but nobody wants to ask questions. I mean, they're tuning in, but nobody wants to ask questions. So from there, um, we started adapting different faces, different industries, veterinarians, doctors, lawyers, surgeons, uh, photographers. I mean, DJs, anybody that were African-American who were in a professional field who was doing successful and wanted to be on the platform. And we've been doing those nonstop for the last two years, I think we started with a Monday, a female Monday and a male Friday. And then from there, that kind of um, 
stopped because it was too much content. It was too much content. So then we started doing like somebody once a week. The people are like, nah, what happened to the two weeks? So <laughs> people wanted more. So we started giving them more. But ultimately, that's where it started. And it wasn't until we had Joel Jones. He's the youngest representative, a House of Representative in Detroit, Michigan. And he basically was saying, you know, this is like speed networking. You know, like I'm just giving all my information. I'm getting information back. Like I like this. It's yeah. like speed networking. And it wasn't until then that I realized that I had something that this I was doing something that people people were coming back for it. I mean, we were able to gain 6,000 followers within the first 6 months organically. Wow. Nobody knows who I am, no, no no advertisement, no no extras, no corporate sponsors, just real information, people being genuine, going on on a consistent basis and showing love. Just that simple. It's incredible. Thank you. Where do you go with that? What happens? So actually it was a difficulty, you know, how do you make a people service a product? Um, and for, I still am trying to answer that question. I will be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, but we started doing um, socials. So we started doing events here recent. And at first I was, um, I think Google reached out to me first. Real quick, where, where is this in the timeline, by the way? Yeah, so we are now junior year. So Prodigy was created junior year. Okay. That's when we started doing the Instagram takeovers. I graduated senior year, was still doing the Instagram takeovers. But into my senior year, I took a break, went to Sacramento, took a couple months off, started with Accenture in September, moved to D.C., and that's when I was fueled. Okay, I'm in D.C., I'm, I'm living life, I'm an adult, not really, but I'm an adult. You know, what's next? Same question, what's next? Do I want to be doing these Instagram takeovers forever? I'm tired. I mean, the scheduling, you know, this is too much. So we said, okay, we're going to do an event in D.C., and that's kind of where we started pivoting to events. What was the vision behind events? So the vision behind events was I have all of these professionals with all of this knowledge and I don't want them to be on a one-time basis. You know, how about we we put these people, if, you're, if your industry or your expertise is in financial literacy, let's have a financial literacy panel. If your expertise is in branding, marketing, whatever, let's have a panel for it. So for me, it was just another opportunity for the people who had already shown love and support on my platform to be re-existing, I don't want to say customers, but re-existing representatives that were still open to giving out free knowledge. So that's exactly what it was. Our event in DC um, happened at Marriott. That's crazy, but I didn't, at that time I wasn't working for Marriott, I promise y'all. But it oh, happened wow. at Marriott. What was that? You said, oh, wow. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Just, yeah. It happened at Marriott. <laughs> right, right, right. It happened at Marriott. And we had. too, right? You going to tell that story? Oof. What was that? You going to tell that story? What? It wasn't It wasn't originally at Marriott. Oh, right. right. Yeah. Let's, let's get into it, right? Let's get into <laughs> it. So it was originally at the Google headquarters in D.C. And this story is all about um, pushing way too hard. So I had someone who told me who had reached out. She has a similar platform I'm not going to mention. And she reached out, wanted to be my mentor. And at that time, you know, I'm like, again, I'm all for mentor. I am the mentee. Okay. So of course I want a mentor. So she's like, yeah, I'm going to help you, you know, get acclimated in DC. We're going to do this. We're gonna do that. She was working with a little bit with Google at the time, you know, whatever. And she was like, you know, we're going to have an event at Google. Let's do it. So we scheduled a date um, and we ran with it. And I think she ended up having like, um, another endeavor that she had to reschedule and so she was like okay we're gonna have to do this another time and I did not want to do it another time I think I had already maybe 
reached out to speakers. Like it was just too much. Like I, I just did not want to double back. I think this was maybe two weeks before the event. And, you know, she felt in her mind that without her, it did not need to be done. And I did not agree. You know, I did not agree. And so I started reaching out to other people like, hey, you know, we need a, a Google representative to be there. Can you be there? Um, and instead of them just saying no, they would go to her saying, hey, this person is looking for a Google representative. We think that you will be perfect to be the Google representative. Now, of course, as you can imagine, that created a level of hostility yeah. that was not supposed to be created, but was me trying to you know, not fail my brand, not advertise an event that was not going to happen, you know? So I was going every measure. <laughs> I mean, anybody and everybody, let's do it. Um, and so it did not end up working out that way. I ended up not really rubbing the best shoulders, you know, did not, uh, wasn't able to continue that mentorship relationship and was not able to do the event at Google because I did not want to leave a bad taste in anyone's mouth. So three days prior to the event, Lord, yes, I said three days, Ooh, I'm, I'm going back to that moment. Three days prior to the event, I get a call from the Google, I think like an event person. And I'm thinking, oh, this is good news. You know, he must have found me a representative. Like, you know, because again, I didn't got everybody involved. And he's like, you know, Sylvie, you know, um, I hate to say this, but we just ain't gonna be able to do it. And I was shattered, you know, of course, I was still respectful and said, okay, you know, thank you so much. You know, if we can work it out in the future, let's do that. And that was it. But in my head, it, it was all stops pulled. What do you mean? Like, I've already been told no, I'm fighting for a yes. And then I'm told no again. Okay, what is there to be done? So... I mean, I must sit up and cry for about 30 minutes. I must sit up and cry. No, no, probably about 60 minutes. I was crying. I was crying. Y'all was praying, crying, crying, and praying. And I, every, I mean, everybody, my mom was just like, okay, so this is it. I'm canceling flights. You know, we're just going to be canceling flights. I have five speakers coming in from all over the world. I had guests coming in. I mean, maybe 200 people had already RSVP'd. Like, this is real, real deal. So I'm like, oh, God, like, what am I going to do? So I say, after I stopped crying, actually, I think I actually went to sleep. I, I think I went to sleep. I went to sleep, had a bad night, called it a night. And when I woke up, you know, you kind of wake up like you ain't even slept. Like, it's just like your brain ain't even turned off. <laughs> right. You right. Just uh, up. So I'm up and, you know, I'm telling myself, OK, we got to make this happen. Like, regardless, we're going to have to make it happen. So what I do was I get on Google and I use the zip code of the actual Google headquarters where the original event was supposed to be had. And the reason why I did that is because I'm thinking as a consumer, you're already telling me that one, you're you switching up a, a date or not even a date. I'm sorry, we didn't switch the date. We switched the event space. You're switching locations. And now you're about to tell me to go from D.C. to Maryland or D.C. to Virginia. Come on. Now, y'all know the DMV area. That's not going to happen. Yeah. So I said, OK, what we're going to do is we're going to stay in that 10 mile radius so that people have no reason not to come. Um, and so what I, I looked at, uh, what, busboys and poets, libraries, um, people who were offering free spaces to 5113Cs that I felt like I could finesse, talk to, to, to agree to do LLC even. Um, you know, I really want you guys to spend some time on that library because I got a whole library card that I don't even use because I was trying to get a library space, okay? But anyways, <laughs> so libraries, busboys and poets, hotels. I mean, I must have went to at least 15 different hotels mm. and I still had nothing. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, I can't do this the freeway. I can't do this the supportive way. 
but we're still going to have to do this. So I went to Marriott. Um, I got in touch with someone who was extremely helpful and she was able to slide me a little deal. It was still expensive, y'all expensive, but she was able to slide me a deal. Um, and we ended up using not only the, the space that we were reserved for, but also a space that was near it that made it a larger room. So it actually was what it was supposed to be. Um, but I had to come out of pocket and I had to, I mean, blood, sweat, tears. Mm-hmm. I had to update all flyers. I had to let the speakers know. You know, it of course was a process, but we made it happen. And at that time for me, it was our first event or a untrustworthy brand. And that's all that that's all that was in my mind. Is this the brand that you're gonna be? Because for, for let's be honest, you RSV port for an event and it gets canceled. Nine times out of ten, you ain't going back yeah, to that organizer. For sure. Like, let's just talk about it. So we made it happen, but man, was it a journey? Mm. Was it a journey? <clears throat> I remember, um, <laughs> I remember that day. I remember, I think the day before mm-hmm. you sent me the link and you were like, yo, pull up. And I remember I had seen the advertisement mm-hmm. and I saw it was at one location. I was yep. like, wait, I was like, when did that? And you were like, yep. yo, just, just pull up. And I was like, okay. <laughs> no, I remember that. Um, and I did my best to make it. Mm-hmm. I, it was raining that day. Yes, and it was it cold. Was. I don't remember. Um, but I, was so nah, see, I don't think rain. it was that cold. It was raining though. It was raining. I don't think it was cold out. I think it was actually a decent day. But it was like wintertime ish, right? Mm-hmm. It was like with February or yep. something? Yep. Was it February? I think it was March eighth. March. Okay. So you almost on approaching. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. But yeah, um, I remember coming through. I always tell you that I, I always, I, I didn't really know what your, 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 uh, the whole platform was about. And so I knew it was professional development. I knew it was like a social to get people to interact and network and all that. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's, it's for high school and college <laughs> kids. Yeah, I remember you told me mentorship. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, yeah, it's definitely for some youngins. Yeah. And so, you know, me being a campus recruiter, I'm like, all right. I'm ready. I'm in. I'm in game time mode just in case because I'm thinking like you about to ask me. I think you even said that. I think you texted me. It was like, let me know if you want me to say something. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm there ready. Like, all right. If she's gonna ask me to say a couple words, like you know about navigating your career, I, I'm gonna be ready. And I get there. I brought a notebook. I I always come prepared, so I bring a notebook in my backpack and. I get there and it's like this wealth of knowledge. I mean, a, a presenter on entrepreneurship, yeah. um, investing, real estate. Mm-hmm. And I learned so much in that two hour time frame. I actually had somewhere to go. I had to leave. I had to leave a little mm-hmm. early. I had to go somewhere. But even the business cards I got right before I left and the people I connected with, I mean, it was just, it was like, un, like unlike nothing I've ever seen. And for that to have been put together by you and and I mean you I'm sure you had a small team you worked with but nah just you okay so <laughs> I want to disrespect anybody in the brand <laughs> no, if I you appreciate did work that. with somebody <laughs> um, but yeah to see it have been done all all by you yeah was like just so, so I impressive say, I remember hitting you up the next day like yo this was amazing keep going yeah I remember that um. So yeah, congratulations on that. that I appreciate was, that. Yeah. And you showing up and attending. I'm trying to tell y'all, you think I show up for Mark. Mark shows up for me, y'all. The love is definitely reciprocated. So I appreciate you. You definitely keep me going. You definitely keep me accountable for sure. Um, I will put out there, all socials have been just done by myself. 
this year I have not had a team. Oh, wow. Yep. Yep. Nobody knows that. Everybody, everything is we, our team. And I'll talk about that too a little bit in branding. But people are like, we, 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 where's all this we? Especially people who know me. They're like, what's this we? You posted, it's you. And I'm like, (laughs) no, you know, we have to plan for a large corporation one day. This is a we forever. Right. Yeah. So that that event goes well despite all the the things behind the scenes. I mean, I've I've seen that that world so many times of just things. It's like people don't really know. Like this almost didn't happen, but you pull it off, it it, you know, and it does well. Mm -hmm. And so the outside perception is wow, this is amazing, and you know, goes off without any hiccups. But you know that there are. So for sure, uh, you had those, and now you're navigating this space after initial success. What is that? What is that world like as you continue to do events and? Uh, and grow as a business? Yeah, so great question. Um, Just to keep it simple, it's not easier. Um, Every event that I've done after that DC event, at least one thing has went wrong. Not a venue switch up, not a venue switch up, y'all, but... I mean, small things like speakers coming late and having to move around a a PowerPoint deck, um, you know, just small things that all events probably go through, or maybe not the best turnout, but you're still making it what it is, you know, just anything. Um, for me, going back to that uncomfortable position, it's to the point now where I expect to no hiccups. And I think it wasn't until our last event in LA um, at the Google headquarters there where someone told me your event should be able to run without you even there. Wow. And that's what let me know that I was doing this all wrong. Because best believe, when I am there, I am moving around 100 miles a minute. I mean, that first DC event, I think I actually, like, literally, I think my makeup appointment was late. Like, literally, I think one of my friends set up that whole event for me. Thank God for him, Denzel. Um, But every event after that, especially in Austin, Texas, in Atlanta, in LA, that was me on the ground running. So... I want to eventually get to a point where I don't have to be there. Not even a team, but we're so fluent that everybody is peaceful. This is showtime. This is the, this is the time. Um, so, of course, there are definitely areas of improvement, process of improvements. But I will say that the level of panic that I had that one day, I just don't have anymore. Things are not going to ever go perfect. The best thing for you to do is prepare for things to not go perfectly so that you can be prepared to handle those issues. Um, But I now know not to expect perfection. Now, things, I will say that just almost like you doing a uh, presentation or you doing any type of um, speech, people don't know what's coming out your mouth next. And I think that's what we fail to realize. You know, we put so much pressure on our minute by minute going minute by minute as we reviewed it. But in all reality, people loved the little break that we put in there 10 minutes prior because they had to use the bathroom or people love just the genuineness. As long as it's value, as long as you've done your part to create a theme of value, people are going to love it. Um, you know, people were came, coming up to me afterwards like, why is this free? I feel indebted to you. Why is this free? And I'm like, just just know that it's free. Just know that it's love, that it's knowledge. And I'm glad that you were able to take something from it. Um, but just if, if I can give one tip, str- the furthest thing that I want you to stray away from is perfection. None of us is perfect and we're not intended to be. We are not God. We're not the Holy Spirit. Um, and with that being said, I think once we lift that pressure off of ourselves, trying becomes so much easier. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally agree with that. And that's what this whole thing is about, just getting people to talk on that process and for people to understand, for listeners to understand 
that everything is a matter of process yeah. and you know that's the the part that makes us human that's what makes us relatable uh you know that's really our connection and our ties I, I may not know your exact struggle your exact circumstances situations thoughts experiences but I know that you have fallen short and I know mm-hmm. I've fallen short yeah. and that is one area regardless of who we are we all have things that are our shortcomings definitely and I think that that's a blessing to have. Um, you touched on something really important in preparing to make mistakes and being okay with them. And from, I think, almost from two perspectives. One, being prepared to to have to put out fires. Mm-hmm. I think that's key in, in putting together anything. But the second piece of, I think that actually generates a level of calmness mm-hmm. and tranquility within yourself to know that, hey, this is not going to be 100% perfect. And if I can accept that, then I'll be able to sleep easier and remain encouraged oh moving forward. Oh, God. So, um, and I can speak on this point, oh, my God, from events to managing a team to being the best leader possible to delegating to my spiritual life, to my relationship life, to my personal life, like, we are we cannot control we cannot control the things that we cannot control if it's not in your control the best thing for you to do is to learn to adapt to life itself to go with the punches to go with the flow now granted have a plan have have an intended goal but you have to realize that I think we have to be as accepting as as accepting of the hiccups as we are accepting of regardless of what matters I'm gonna get there Regardless of a matter, this event's going to happen. And that's the mentality that I've had every event after that. Okay. I already did the hard part. As long as, listen, as long as you, I got a venue, we can, I can do what I can do this. I can set up in 30 seconds if you need me to. Okay. So it's almost just having that strength in yourself. I'm not telling you that every day or every night will be perfect. I'm not telling you that you're going to know your next move. I've had people fire or quit on me. I've had people, um, you know, leave me high and dry. I've had mentors really not want to mentor, but want to get something from me, you know, it's all with the level of discernment. And I'm not going to say that you're going to be able to fix every problem while it's happening. But as long as you're able to learn from it, best believe that that problem will never arise again in that fashion. Um, And that's the best thing that I can come up with. And I think that's okay. I think that's perfectly okay. I think that we are all made of made up of experiences. And the only way to know more than you know, is to ask for guidance or mentorship from someone other. And I think I've learned the importance of that. Yeah. Does do any of your shortcomings um, stick out like anything, any particular struggle with Prodigy that that really you identify as a a, a major turning point or learning point for yourself? Yeah. So um, for me, delegating was a huge one. You know, as I mentioned prior, I've had a team of 10, team of 20, team of one. And I've also ran this all by myself. Mm. And I think sometimes we get so consumed in our business that we don't know how to have our take our hands off. We don't know how to delegate. We don't know how to give someone permission to hold our baby. You know that like that's something that I had to get over. And then also too, when you do not give yourself enough room as a CEO or entrepreneur or pilot of this huge dream of yours, you cannot expect for the people who are following you to have that same level of of, of excitement. 
Um, and for me, that was hard. You know, like, why aren't you passionate? You know, why are you sending me graphics with errors in it? You ain't looking at this. You ain't reviewing. You know, so I think I had to realize that one, people are human, just like myself. And then two, people are not going to care as much as you are. And that is okay. That is okay. Even if you're here to do a job, it is my job to incentivize you to uh, make you feel like you are a part of the team because you are. And that's kind of what I've done now. From now, moving back from my first time that I've employed someone to now, it's a bigger picture. What can we do to help you? What are some of the things that you like about our program that you would like to, um, you know, take advantage of? And that has helped me Um, just because now I'm able to see where you are, where your head's at. If this is not the job that you want in the next two years, I'd rather you be honest and tell me that so I can help you get to the real one, you know, um, and, and allow for you to be in roles that you truly are passionate about. You know, I had I've had people say, hey, you know, you got me doing this because I'm good at it, but I really want to do this. And at that time, my girl says, if you don't get back to them graphics, you know, this is what you this is what you do. Um, But in all reality, that's not how you create an effective or efficient team. Um, And then also, too, I here recently have taken a social media break. And because my platform is primarily on Instagram, I feel like that was something that I could not do. Um, it was scary. Like, oh my God, I'm lose my followers. Oh my God, I'm gonna lose my audience. Oh my God, they gonna think that I ain't never coming back. You know, just crazy stuff. And I will say that 90 days post social media break, I have the same level of audience. People are hungry for the content. They're asking me when we coming back. You know, the love is still there. They are still, um, they still are able to identify my brand. Nothing has been lost. I think that because we are such in a, um, like kind of like a, a, a rat's a rabbit cycle or a rat cycle. We kind of feel like we can't remove ourselves. No, in order for me to be able to build for the next 12 to two years ahead, I have to take a break somewhere. I am, I am the vision. I am the brains behind the platform. Come on now. That's not fair to my team. That's not fair to myself. It's just not fair. And I'll end up being burnt out anyways and have to take a break <laughs> regardless. Right. So it's been a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's so key, like the the hamster wheel, rat race, all that. Right. And um, and you and you make an interesting point about it being a scenario where you'll make up for it or pay for it later yeah. anyway. Is like that's so true. So true. Um, there's this Dalai Lama quote. It's like something about how you know man will you know basically sacrifice his health to obtain, you know, all these money and riches and all of these things only to get to a point later in life where you're leveraging all of that money and riches you obtained to help better your health, yeah. right? And it's like, it, it could get ugly. And, you know, it, it's so key to to ensure that you take the time necessary to recharge yes. and unplug and such. Right, and get to know yourself. And also, too, with even going back and reviewing what works and what does not for yourself, you also need to be reviewing the data analytics of your website, of your Instagram profile, of your consumer, surveying the people who you are um, alluding or offering services to. Like this break is not something that we're just creating because of mental health. Now, granted, it's important because of mental health and just health and wellness in general, but also too, this is what real live large corporations do. Take a step back, 
your consumer will tell you what they want and what they do not. And that's what I've realized too. I do not really drive the brand. I mean, God, he's the CEO of my business and I love to say that and I, and I mean that. But truly, the consumer will tell you, okay, this didn't work, sis, or oh, we, ju- we don't want that, you know? And that's something that you have to listen to and be able to pivot from. And I don't think a lot of people are comfortable doing that either. And that's why some of these small businesses fail because people aren't open to saying, Okay, well, I'm passionate about that, but clearly my consumer doesn't want that. That's not the need here. So what are we going to do now? You know, like they're not able to adjust, be flexible, move, move different. Um, So I think that you mentioned a great point. Uh, Burnout is something that I've definitely tried to avoid. I actually, Letitia Carr, she spoke at that DC panel as well, and she talks about that heavily You, your business cannot run healthy or functionally if you are not just that simple. (laughs) That's real. So as you think about what's next and um, things that are on your bucket list to achieve for Prodigy Mm -hmm. or even yourself personally, you know, what kind of things come to mind, particularly, you know, the, the journey of 99 Celsius, we know it's a process. And when we think about where you started, initially helping people with the mission to help and create a service, not even a service, really a a helping hand for people that were in need at a point. And then finding that there was a need in college and realizing that this mentorship relationship needs to continue outside of the university walls. And then getting to the professional world and fulfilling that for people. I mean, you've you've been heating up for some time, right? What... What does 99 Celsius, what does 100 degrees Celsius, that boiling point, what does that look like for you and what things are you hoping to achieve? Yeah, so I think I keep myself uh, always on a a planner schedule. I'm a big type A individual. (laughs) And so I'm used to this question on a week basis or a monthly basis or a yearly basis, but not on a 100 degrees Celsius. So thinking big. Um, of course, I definitely want to maximize our mission. I definitely want to create change. Um, I think that I want to do it on different levels. Can you imagine if people in school were teaching you professional and, and professional and personal development, financial literacy tools and not accounting and finance that you don't use ever? Can you imagine if these corporations were getting skills or learning about the critical skills necessary to elevate and support you as an African-American professional at your job? Can you imagine that? You know, so I definitely want to go into new heights. Uh, I want to go in directions and places that people have never been. Um, I want to expose large truths. I want to become a multi-million dollar business. And ultimately, I want to help our community. You know, there's so many things. And I think that people focus on this too heavily, too. Our community has a lot of problems. We do. We do. And with us also wanting to create change, you have to realize that each and every one of us are creating change within our large or small communities already. I right now am creating change with you, Mark, and you are creating change within me. And I'm probably going to go somewhere after this and talk about this and continue to create change. And sometimes it can be that small or as large as you want it to be. So for me, you know, If I could go out and help every single person, I would. But I think for me, I'm going to drive Prodigy in a fashion, in a social campaign, in a platform that is able to reach more and million and global people than I ever could by myself. And that ultimately is my goal. To use this platform to spearhead the lives of so many people under us that that may not be aware or have someone within their primary household to teach them these things, Um, you know, 
Cause I don't, if I wasn't at a, if I didn't feel like I was at a disadvantage, can you imagine? I mean, I, you know, I'm cool now, but man, right. man. So, you know, just, I'm, I really want to correct this measuring scale between those who look like us and those who don't, you know, what are the things that we're lacking and are these things that we can help and, and support within our community? Yes, we can. Prodigy is here. We are here. Hey. Yes, we can. <laughs> I didn't mean to put that in there, but you see how that is work? <laughs> nah, I feel it. Um, and I, I think that um, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a solid point about all needing to do our, our, all needing to do our part. Mm-hmm. And if we all just do our little bit and we contribute and a bunch of micro acts come together, real big positive change can occur. So For you're sure. definitely doing the work and uh, changing the lives of people that are coming and getting mentorship and attending the events that you're yeah. putting on and just getting access to that information to lead better lives for themselves and the families that they uh, live with and then eventually will leave behind too for more generations to come. So That is the goal. Generational wealth and awareness is our goal. Right. Yes. Sylvie. It's been an honor having you. The sky's the limit for you. I'm Thank so excited you. to see as you continue to navigate the company and as it grows. Really looking forward to being a part of the things that you're doing and such. And just want to wish you all the best. Definitely. You guys continue to stay tuned. This is an amazing podcast. I'm sure I'm not going to be the only or last amazing individual to be on here. So stay tuned. If you can and are interested in my platform, please follow me at The Prodigy, T-H-E-P-R-O-D-Y-G-I-I on Instagram and all other platforms. Thank you. Be lit. Peace <laughs> and love. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of 99 Celsius. Again, I'm your host, Marco Quay. For updates on the pod, follow us on Instagram at 99Celsius, all spelled out. New episodes air each and every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share the pod with others. Until next time.